This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we uncover stories, ideas, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of deep love, relationships, and good sex. Oh, and a little bit of manifestation sprinkled in there too. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bedside Podcast. I hope we're doing well. Welcome back. If you're new here, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you guys for all of your feedback on the most recent episode, so the one right before this about my story from rock bottom to up level. Just your feedback has been tremendous, and I'm so happy that it that episode resonated so much. It means the world to me. It's something that I was really excited to finally sit down and record for you. And I'm just so happy to hear that it is something that people feel like they see themselves in that story. They see themselves in that narrative. And that is really what this show is all about. We are here to have the real conversations. They're unfiltered. We're coming to this space, this safe space to just share all about the human experience, whether it's relationships, whether it's mental health, whether it's sex, whether it's intimacy. like These are all the things that I'm just so passionate to talk about and unearth and you know, take out from under the rug. So I'm just really happy that resonated with you. I also just had the most beautiful week the other week up in Ojai. I know I was sharing with you guys that I was going up there for just some time off, just to have some out of office. And it was so nourishing. I truly feel like I tapped into this very like zen version of myself. As many of you know, I am on a skincare journey and part of my homework, if you will, has been around just like getting my hormones back in balance, which includes just like my cortisol. And I promise I'm going to have Camille on to, we've had her on before to talk about hormonal acne, but I'm going to have her back on because I'm doing her course. But something that I learned from her was that cortisol is one of our foundation hormones that basically, if it's thrown off, it affects everything else. And guys, since doing this and like really doing the work around much of Camille's protocol, which includes lowering your cortisol, I have seen so much improvement on not only my skin, but of course, just like how I'm feeling from the inside out. It's so crazy. So like I said, we'll do we'll do an episode on this, but going up to Ojai was just so incredible. I coined one of my days there, like my parasympathetic day. So I leaned into all things just like deep and restorative relaxation, if you will. Like we went to a yin yoga class. We bopped around town really casually. We went to a spa and got massages. And it was actually such a great way to kick off our getaway because from there, sometimes I feel like I go on vacation and it's like not until the end of vacation that I feel totally relaxed, which is still equally as beneficial. Like, um, I feel the effects of it long after still, but this was probably one of the first times I like went on vacation, did a little getaway and like kicked it off really de-stressing from the get-go. And that was amazing. It was such a great shift. So yeah, it was so great. It was amazing. Spent so much time outdoors, did a little wine tasting, ate delicious food. Highly recommend. Getaway RX. So anyways, to kick off this episode, I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Jordan Scott, who is the founder of The Cobble App. And today we're talking all about decision fatigue, specifically dating decision fatigue. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but I am so excited to have Jordan here today because as someone who previously was a chronically indecisive, and I still struggle with it today with dating decision. Jordan literally made an entire app that helps eliminate this problem. Think of it honestly as your go-to if you are someone who struggles with what to do, doesn't know how to keep it spicy with going on hot dates, going to some of the best restaurants. If you're like me, who I literally sometimes don't even know and can't even figure out what I want for dinner, this app is for you. We dive into Jordan's story of creating this app, her 48-hour first date. We talk about just kind of 
where you fall on the spectrum of decision making. Like, are you a planner? Are you an agreeer? Where do you fall in that category? How you can find more of a neutralized category. We get into Jordan's idea of best dates, best second dates. We talk about relationship check-ins and just this idea of kind of novelty in relationships, keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting, whether or not you are in a long-term partnership, whether you're just dating around for fun, whether you are dating, trying to meet the one, this episode covers it all. It's so exciting. So without further ado, let's welcome Jordan to the Bedside Podcast. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the Bedside Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thrilled to be here, Tatiana. It's so nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. All right. You are the founder of Cobble. You have just this amazing take on dating, and I'm really, really excited to get into it. But I think first and foremost, I really want to get an understanding of just like how you got here. I was actually reading an article about you, about your 48-hour first date, and I thought this could be an awesome place to start. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so funny that you say that because I obviously recall the 48-hour first date, but at the same time, I feel like it's become this, this like part of my background and my story that I, it's hard to remember, like, this is a personal story and it's also out there in the public and it's something so random, but I'm happy to retell uh, that story. And it's of course with my now husband, Nick, and essentially we met in a bar, flirted a ton. My good girlfriend was the bartender there and he was a regular at her bar. And I thought that was weird and not super interested in that. But at the same time, we just kept running into each other and it was, he was just so magnetic. And eventually we, you know, he asked me out on a date and that first date, uh, was an incredible sort of very planned, very thoughtful experience where we started at this Italian place that was underground and we ordered clam pizza, even though neither of us have ever had clam pizza and we're trying to like make each other think we were cool and whatever. It, Wait, it was I del- just have to like put a plug in that. That's a very bold first date meal. Clam pizza, guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Like, like I said, I had never had it. He certainly had never had it. And it's now like one of our favorite pizzas. So we have to order it anytime we see it on a menu. But we did that. And then we like walked across Washington Square Park. And then we I had mentioned in the bar one day that I really loved the movie Whiplash. And uh, I was like, but I've never really seen a live jazz band. And so he took me to this huge like 12 piece live jazz band with like a little reserved table right by the stage. And it was so romantic and so thoughtful. And as we now know that the date didn't end for for a day and a half and it, we i think the last the the final parting was actually in central park we i met up with his friends and we were like throwing a football and the rest is history i don't even know what happened this was the the date that spawned into a an 8 year relationship we're married we just had a baby so it's it's a crazy story but most importantly that thoughtfulness and that sort of perfect night, the, the first one, is what inspired Kabul in, in many ways because it is all about, you know, connecting with the people around you and having the best experience for you and for everyone around you. And um, that's that was definitely part of it. I'm obsessed with that. Okay, I want your hot take. I guess I already kind of can guess what your opinion is, but I think a lot of people you know, think that maybe having a 48-hour date or like having a really long date can almost feel like false intimacy. So like how, what was your like discernment there? How were you like, obviously you're married, you have a kid, it worked out, but I'm curious to know if you have the same opinion of that time of length going on a date or if you're like, I feel like I was the exception. You know, I think that our intentions were very clear from the start. And those intentions were actually that we were not interested in being in a committed relationship. We were like, I said, I'm having the best time of my life being single. I had just gotten out of a long relationship about a year before, somewhat similar to him. 
And uh, we both were like, so we don't want this to be like a real thing, right? And we were like, yep, yep. And then again, I don't really know when it turned. It was probably a few months after that 48-hour date. But I think because there was there was sort of no pressure on our whatever our relationship was, it was like, let's just be completely authentic and completely ourselves. And this is really fun. And I don't want to say goodnight and I don't want to say goodbye. And like, you know, in that way, it was just totally natural and honest. And maybe that's a little bit tougher if there is less of like a no pressure thing going on, you know, if that makes sense. No, totally. I feel like you were probably both, like you said, in the headspace of like just wanting to get to know another person without the expectations of something more than just a good time. So I think when you're both like you both met each other at you had this you were both level set. You were like at on the same playing field. So that makes a lot of sense. I but I I love that story. I mean, what a unique way to have met someone and then of course like launched an entire business around this concept. So, okay, give us just a very high level taste of Cobble and kind of how it works and and what it is. Yeah. So Cobble originally was for couples. It was for existing couples, people in relationships who were tired of going back and forth on, on what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? And feeling like they can't make a decision. Everything is annoying and a fight ensues. So the very first version of Cobble was for couples. And essentially when you both swiped right on the same restaurant, you matched and then you would go to that restaurant. Now, fast forward two and a half, almost three years. And we have not only expanded beyond couples and into all relationships, friend groups and family and colleagues, whatever, whoever you're making a decision with, but we've also expanded the actual decisioning tool within Cobble that's a little bit smarter than just two swipe rights equals we're going. Um, And so the way it works now is that you can figure out dinner, what to watch, what to cook, um, and even more verticals. And this essentially you're able to organize very easily what you're interested in doing, shoot it off to whoever's involved, get their really smart votes and ranks, and then you can finalize the plan and keep everyone in communication. So cool. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've hit decision fatigue. (laughs) Like, I mean, actually, I think it's in my astrology. I'm a Libra and they always say it's like, they're they're a very indecisive sign. I've worked so hard, Jordan, at trying to become a decisive person, but I realized, and I wonder if you found this in your research, that I my decision I'm a good decision maker when I'm given options. I just need like one, two, three, pick the best option. I can't just like be sitting in an abyss of decision making and like millions of options available. I need to like have three types of cuisines presented to me and I'll know exactly what type of takeout we should get. <laughs> you completely nailed it. And and that is sort of what we have tried to develop at Cobble in terms of, you know, like how do we, the part, what you just described, it's like there's overwhelming options and then there's also no options in some cases. And so you either are have everything or nothing. At least that's what it feels like. But exactly. As soon as you sort of put it into a view that is easy to see everything that's available, it's much easier to make a decision. And also, by the way, another tactic is getting ahead of it, right? Not waiting until it's the moment where you need to decide and you're already hangry and you're already pissed. It's like, how do we, you know, get you to make that decision earlier and loop everybody in? And then it's just a breeze. I love that so much. How does dating decision fatigue differ from other types of decision fatigue? Or would you say they're kind of the same? I have to imagine they're they're relatively the same. Like I, I think a big part of the problem of, of dating is sort of figuring out how you're going to get to know this person and like how you're going to spend time with them. You know, you can't just be plopped into a room um, and expected to like figure it out. You know, I think so much of what helps people get out there and really connect is by finding mutual interests, right? Like we both love Korean food or we both love axe throwing, or at least we try like doing adventurous stuff, right? So if you're able to figure out you know, something that you would most want to spend your time on so that dating also doesn't feel like a chore, but actually lets you experience life as you're in this process of dating, I feel like would be really cool. In fact, when I was on the dating app before I met Nick, um, 
I love movies. I'm a huge movie buff. And every single date I would go on through an app, I would ask if it could be a movie because I just was like, even if this person sucks, I will have gotten to see this movie. And I felt like I got enough information about the person standing in line for candy that I I knew already. I, you know, you know, in two minutes, I don't know. That's just me. But, and if I liked that, and if we were like laughing during the movie or anything like that, then yeah, you can go get a drink after you can go do something. But I, people were like, a movie is the worst first date. You can't even talk to them. And I'm like, no, you, it really is the best first date. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You're like, I know my answer in two minutes, the rest of like, and we're good either way for the next hour and a half, whether or not we know we're not for each other or we kick it off. <laughs> At least we got to see a movie tonight, you know? That is such a good strategy. Oh my gosh, I have like so many questions lined up for you. Like I'm just really trying to figure out where to even begin here because, you know, I think like so much of social media has altered the way that we even view dating and like modern dating. And it's really interesting too because I think sometimes the way people present their dating lives seems so much more exciting than it really is. Or like maybe it is that much more exciting and you're on the sidelines viewing something through social media and feeling like almost this FOMO. Like why don't I have that level of like excitement and novelty with dates? So I kind of want to get your take on just like this concept of honestly just having so much more of a lens on people's personal lives and what they're up to and how they're spending their time. Yeah, no, I mean, I I really do think that people should treat dating and how you move through the world with whoever you're dating as a friend, as any relationship that you care about. And just being focused on like the best possible experience that you just happen to be having with someone you're considering to be in your life, right? Like if we went about it like that, I think that also does take that pressure off of like, what is this? What are we are, you know, just live life with them and see how it is. Because guess what? If it does become a real relationship, that's what you're going to be doing is like living more life with them. So it's like, I think I'm sure you've heard before too. It's like, there's this honeymoon period, especially in the beginning where you feel like you're doing a lot and you're almost presenting not the most authentic version of yourself perhaps, or maybe your partner, you felt more your partner did that or whatever. But I think figuring out a way to show your most authentic self in that early time is is huge. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that because you're so right. Like dating is just seeing whether or not you have mutual lifestyles and then also that you're working toward you know maybe you're not 100% there but like you have a shared vision of what that lifestyle is for yourself that you crave i remember when i was dating my partner we were at different points in our career and i remember at one point someone raising a flag to me being like are you concerned about something involving his career and like where he's going. And I was like, no, because where we've already aligned on, it might not look a certain way right now, but like we know where we want to go. We have the same goals. So I think that's a really interesting concept that you bring up. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I laugh because I remember when I met Nick in the bar, he was like, oh, I work in finance, whatever. So I was like, cool. Sounds like that's sounds great. Um, I don't really know what that means, but sounds like impressive answer. And I laugh now because I know now that he was like pretty much at the earliest stage of that (laughs) ladder. And luckily I was like, this guy is so charming and so smart that like, I have no doubt he will find success in whatever he chooses to do. And he, he has. So, um, but it is funny because looking back, I'm like, I didn't know what I was getting into. (laughs) Well, yeah, 100%. If you find somebody early on who doesn't enjoy doing the same activities or is disinterested maybe in some of doing the same things that you love to do, not all of them, just maybe like, let's say it's like you've top two things you love to do and they're just like really disinterested in that. Is that a deal breaker or is it not? I think it's an opportunity to see if maybe there's sort of this hidden common interest that you just haven't discovered yet. You know, like I I used to say, you know, if we were on cobble and we both swiped right on rock climbing and I've never done that, nor has he ever brought it up, but all of a sudden it's a match and we're like, oh, didn't know we wanted to both do that. Like, I think there's so many examples of that where shared 
passions can be discovered together later. Um, now in terms of like, say there's something you absolutely love and they just hate it. Like I'm trying to think of an example for us, you know, I'm a huge reader, my husband, not as much though. He slowly is, um, jumping on that bandwagon with me. Um, he will never say no to like hopping into a bookstore, right? It's not like he's dying to buy a book, but he knows how much I absolutely love it. So I do think it's important that even if your partner doesn't like fully love the same things that you do, they need to be down to support it. Maybe a better example too is he loves to play golf. I don't. And I use the time that he goes to play golf to do the thing that I love to do, right? Like kind of a win-win. So having that separate time too is crucial. I like that you bring up the point of finding new shared interests because it's so much more explorative. And I think like I can't, I'm thinking of the handful of instances where there are things that I would have never done on my own terms because I don't know if like as a, as just like my own being on my own, if I would have enjoyed it as much as a shared experience that I brought in a partner with or like a group of friends and we discovered we loved doing something together. So I think that's actually like you're hitting the nail on the head. It's really an opportunity to like add more to your plate and not worry about eliminating or feeling like, um, something that you enjoy solo needs to be something that you bring someone else into. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like we all love to eat, right? So make your thing going to find good food. Like I think that (laughs) we all have to eat. We all like to eat good things. So, you know, whether it's a dollar sign sliced shop or it's a Michelin starred, whatever, like that should always be an adventure. Yes. Yes. I love that. (laughs) That's a great one. Okay. So what are your kind of like hot takes on like what what are some of your favorite first date ideas if you were to list off a few? Ooh, oh man. I mean, I think this is maybe controversial, but I definitely think going to like a comedy show throws you really into the deep end quickly, especially if you're up front and there's an opportunity for you to like get picked on by the comic because they'll ask, you know, how long has this been going on or whatever? And like a first date is always sort of, you know, awkward, but also could be, a great story, right? And you get to see how they act under pressure and they get to see how you act under pressure. And at the end of the day, you're just like laughing hysterically. So first date, amazing to do a comedy show. If you're in New York, definitely go to Cafe Wa to get a cocktail and then walk down the street and go to the comedy cellar. That's the best combo date in my mind. I love that so much. I like, I like that you're putting people in kind of these more um, not high pressure situations, but just like being like, why not? Like, let's let's jump in deep and like, like get your feedback. It's the same way with like certain sports. I love playing sports with people too, because you can immediately get a judgment of someone's character. I know I play like in a tennis clinic and I know some people who like met on first tennis dates and huh. they're like, oh yeah, like I could immediately tell if I was into this person or not based off of like their level of competition or, you know, like just their yeah, level of like sportsmanship. It was out and it wasn't out. And you're like, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a, cheat- a cheater. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's so true. And I think, yeah, anything that's sort of unique and a little different, maybe for like a first, first date, it's always good to grab a coffee, keep it casual remove the alcohol, remove the like burden of an expensive meal and things like that. Just get a coffee, see if you're vibing. But then maybe that first legitimate nighttime date, do something a little bit more unique. I love that. Okay. So then what is your, do you have like a spot for maybe a good second date? So we've kind of got first date or like preliminary or like pre-first date. Preliminary coffee, first date, comedy show, second date. Ooh, okay. This is such a good question. No one ever asks about the second date. I would say, yeah, maybe doing something a little bit more like physical to see if there's like a, a an attraction in that way, like going rollerblading at one of the beautiful like piers. There's so many different cool outdoor roller rink type places that could be really interesting. Um, what else? I mean, I love your tennis idea, especially because my husband and I love playing tennis. It's a good one. But yeah, anything physical, I think could any reason or excuse to like touch in some way, I think could be really unique. And not only does that tell you if you're like into them, but it also tells you if you're like 
don't touch me. Like I'm not interested in this person. Yeah. You know, it comes very clear quickly. I think so too. Yeah. You'll be able to pick up on body language and chemistry really quick. Okay. So I love this. You're like, we haven't even thrown a dinner in here, which is crazy. Like we're just like. Food is always required. It goes without saying, you know, comedy (laughs) show, I say grab like a casual, like counter standing moment. If you're going to do the physical activity, maybe a little bit more of a heartier sit down, a burger, maybe something like that. Uh, but no, food is not negotiable. Food needs to be part of any <laughs> outing, even at the even at the coffee date. Get a pastry. Absolutely. Oh, oh, you're such a you're such a gal after my interest. <laughs> I love this. Okay, so I think that like with dating decision fatigue, I think a lot of people feel like this major pressure around like, especially if we're speaking heteronormatively, if we're talking about like women and men dating. Queer couples definitely do this a lot better. Let's put it that way. Um, But if we're speaking heteronormatively, I think there's a lot of pressure around like expectations of having that like really good activity down or, um, you know, making sure that you're nailing that great first date. So what are your thoughts on kind of maybe even like leveling the playing field a bit and making sure that you know you're coming f- you're coming at a first date from a place of from a place of not having too much pressure around it if that makes sense no something we say all the time um on our team is like how important collaborative agreement is and and making sure that no matter what the end choice is the end decision is is that like everyone had a say and everyone's bought in. And I do think that that takes some of the pressure off of, you know, usually there's a planner and someone who is like, does all the work, does all the preparation, makes the reservations, picks all the times. And then there's what we call the agreer who just is like, yes, no, or I don't know, right? Which is the most probably annoying um, response. Um, And something that we really try to do is to make it so that someone does kick off, right? Someone has to start the plan. Someone has to say like, should we do X, Y, and Z? Um, But ultimately we want people to both feel like they had a a say and that ultimately there was a consensus on what, what is going to happen. And then you create that experience of like looking forward to something equally and jointly. Yes. There's also something that doesn't yet exist in cobble, but is something that I am personally a huge fan of and that I would love one day to incorporate into the product, which is this idea of surprise. And, and I think surprise can be done really, really well in and with the use of technology down the line. But for example, my husband and I do this thing Wednesday surprise where every other week we switch on and off and he just says, like, be ready at this time. And we're getting in the car and we're going to this place. Um, And then we just show up and we go and it's so exciting. And it's like, you know, you have plans, but you don't know what it is. And um, it's, it's great because then it also is like, you do it one week, I do it the next week. And it's very equal. And it feels, you know, like we're both putting in this effort. Ultimately, you know, to really confirm that you'll love the experience, whatever that surprise is that I think Cobble could be really cool with is we already know what the matches are in terms of what you like, what they like. And so if the one partner could just pluck a match that they know their partner already said they liked and make that the Wednesday surprise and just sort of have this mystery thing on your calendar that's shrouded in, in like uh, gauze essentially. And it's, it tells you the address, but nothing else I think could be so, so fun. And ultimately like, you know, get everybody out still. Oh my gosh. I love that concept so much. And I think, you touched on a really important piece, especially in longer term relationships, which is really this idea of novelty and making sure to keep that like spark alive. Because you you talked about earlier that honeymoon phase, it's so easy to like kind of be excited and motivated to do things like that. But tell me, I guess, first question, how did you and your partner decide that you wanted to do Wednesday Surprise? I'm sure it started with my husband. He coins everything and is like, Wednesday Surprise, you know, so <laughs> that's how it started. But yeah, it's just it it is so important to surprise. And also I think it does make sense in the earlier days too, because it just shows a thoughtfulness that hopefully you can carry through with, you know, the rest of the relationship too. But even in the beginning, like 
the, I mean, perfect example was that 48 hour date, right? I had mentioned briefly that I liked that movie whiplash and he surprised me with that underground jazz band. So it still was a surprise, but it was something that I had, you know, brought up. And so there was like that kind of, you can take early cues from people too, while you're dating to do things like that. I love that. Okay. So you, we were talking to you about, or you had mentioned the archetype of the planner and then the more passive planner greer. <laughs> yes, planner and a greer. So I actually was speaking to someone. I had given a talk and they came and spoke to me afterwards and they were like, I have this issue where I am so chronically the planner that I kind of have like overridden my partner's potential in even thinking that they could be someone to make a plan. Like, I I think I've just bridged the gap too much. I'm way too much of a planner. What do I do about it? So I'd love kind of your feedback on if you feel like people have kind of like sunk in too deep into these archetypes, how do you break the loop? Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. That's such a beautiful question. And, And I think that there obviously needs to be some giving up of the reins a little bit. Right. Um, and I think that one way that they could potentially go about that is like to still lean into their planner, uh, sort of disposition and just say like, Hey, next Wednesday, I'm going to block our evening, but I would love for you to like surprise us. And I want to do something that you want to do. Like, let's do something that gets you really excited and don't even tell me what it is. I'm just going to show up and going to be part of it. And, and you, that's where you let go of the control, but at least you set the frame of like this night and I'm going to prepare myself for it. And I'm just excited to see what you come up with. Um, because yeah, I mean, I hate to like keep plugging the product, but right. Cobble really wants to put, take that pressure off the planner in a lot of ways. And, and, give the opportunity to the agreer because it's so easy to plan on cobble that they want to do it right the reason that there are people who are so vehemently against planning is because it's hard and annoying and stressful and overwhelming and like our goal is to sort of level that playing field so that the planners feel a little less pressure and the agreers feel a little bit more capable of like being the planners I love that so much. And you just made me think too of how I think it's so frequent to also get in the habit of doing like the same activities, going to the same restaurants. Oh my gosh, when you like, when you find your like select five restaurants that you're like continually going to, it's like it gets a little bit old. Totally. We always say like you either end up doing the same old, same old, or not going out at all, right? And just being at, stuck at home. And um, there is a third <laughs> option. And, and uh, there is, you know, potential to do it. And like I said, so much of it is just getting ahead of it, is planning ahead. Um, and that's a learned behavior too. And there's a there's a system that you can sort of get into if, if you're willing. Yeah, I love it so much. And I think what I love about what you're doing too is you're, you're really capitalizing on this modern world, this hyper digital world, and you're ta- you're like making tech that's allowing people to bridge that gap to like stop the overwhelm. And I just like, that's so amazing. I mean, even the other day, I was like messing around on chat GBT. And like, I think AI has become so interesting too, where we were just like, okay, date ideas. And we like put down our specific neighborhood and it like listed some of our favorite restaurants in like hidden hole in the wall bars. And I was like, wow, this the, these platforms are becoming so intelligent. Of course, AI has a long way to come. I think there's so much more to it, like with your product, especially with like having a real human being behind it who's curating. But I, I mean, it's really oh, exciting. Even that, like, I mean, there's the content needs to be great in order for you to make a decision. But in Cobble's example, right, we're much more focused on getting a group of people or some one plus like two or more people to come to a collaborative agreement, first and foremost. So whether that's powered by our brilliant curators, or that's powered by ChatGPT, because that becomes brilliant too. At the end of the day, the humans need to find a way to come to agreement, right? ChatGPT can give you six restaurants how do you decide? How do you decide with the person still, right? So that's where we're focused and excited. Like content will always be part of it because the ideas are everything, right? But at the end of the day, our focus and our little slice of of tech that we care about is that collaborative agreement part. 
Yes, I love that. I love that. Okay, so we spoke about first dates. What is your favorite date for a longer term relationship? Hmm, good question too. I'm trying to think of something that Nick and I did recently that we just absolutely loved. Well, we were just in Arizona for a wedding and uh, now, you know, it's a little sad. I mean, maybe no, I see. I'm not even going to do that. We have a 10 month old daughter. And so we have to figure out now how to incorporate her into our plans, but that's like a whole new, beautiful sort of uh, opening of opportunity. Like we went to this really cool desert botanical um, garden, right? Because that was an easy thing to bring her to. And it sort of made us, I think the cool thing about having kids too, is you revert back to this childlike experience and state and you get to like play and you get to do things that maybe you wouldn't do normally, but you know, like the desert botanical garden, that'd be cool whether you have a kid or not. Right. It was like news. Look at this pointing things out, you know, anything that's about discovery and walking and active, I feel like is such a great um, date for someone that needs to do something different and great long-term great family date. I love that. Okay. So how has your dynamic with your partner, the way you date, the way you do things evolved now that you're like growing a family? How has that, have your roles shifted in any ways? I'm curious. You know, I don't think so. I think the roles that you had before you have a kid sort of just make complete sense with a kid, right? Like at the end of the day, I still, you know, probably drive a lot of the different things that we do with her. And he's as much as he can be supportive in making it happen, right? That's his role. I'm the idea person. He's the make it happen guy. And so that, that sort of remained the same. Um, now of course she goes to bed at seven o'clock. So I'd say that's the biggest change is everything's got to be done before that, or we got to find a sitter, right? These are crazy things. Someone always used to say to me, like, when is the babysitter plug-in going to be added to your app? And I was like, oh my God, like, stop. I don't care. I don't have kids. And now of course, <laughs> as a mom, I'm like, oh yeah, that babysitter API is looking really cute right now. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, I trust anyone with your kids. Like, I don't know. I, I did not know what to expect. I thought I was going to be that mom that was like, bye, we're going out on a weekend trip and like, you're good with your grandma or whatever. And I am not like that at all. I'm like, she's coming with us, obviously. Like this is our third wheel forever. Um, Never know how you're going to react. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. My parents were very much like, see ya. (laughs) But good for them. Maybe I'll get like that when I like, when she's a little older perhaps. But yeah, for now I'm like, she's never leaving my side. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. She'll enter her terrible twos or whatever they call it. And you'll be like, bye. (laughs) Exactly. That's so funny. Okay. So what are kind of along those lines, what are some of your tips for like really keeping a spark alive? You mentioned that you have kind of this really fun element of surprise that you throw in, but what does like relationship maintenance look like for you in terms of like how you keep engaged and keep things novel? Yeah. I mean, I think just finding any way to stay connected, you know, um, something that my husband and I have been really thinking about a lot recently is meditation. And like, it's all this inner work stuff that we're just curious about on our own. But when you bring it together too. It just becomes such a huge reason to connect. And I I remember reading something about like radical generosity. And it's this idea that you're not kind of going tit for tat, right? Like I did the laundry, so you should do the dishes or I did this. So you need to do that. And it's just like, I have the capacity to do the laundry and the dishes. So I'm going to just do both. And when you both have that mindset you are just like in a happier household. You're very much like grateful for your partner for doing something. And it's, and then you're more, you just, it's just sort of the thing that keeps stacking up. And I think when you really do inner work and then do that inner work together, there's nothing that sort of gets you more connected than that. And then when all else fails, watch a really, really good fucking show in bed at night. And be like so excited to jump in the bed and be like, succession, let's fucking go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think with the radical generosity, you really hit on something that I think I want to dive into a bit more because when 
you have such a good point of when you're just both in a space of giving like that, there's less room for resentment, which I think Mm. is a huge thing that couples struggle with. So I guess my question around that is like, were you always in a space of radical generosity or were you ever like, were you keeping score? Of course, always. And it's still, it still is in waves, right? There's days where we're feeling radically generous. And there are days where I'm like, pick up your shirt. Cause I'm tired of that. Um, so it really just depends. Right. But I would say the more we focus on that, the, the farther apart the days are where we get into a thing about, you know, like roles and responsibilities and I'm doing this and you're not doing this. Like the more you work on it, the few days that like speaking gibberish, but the less that that happens. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm curious to know as well, do you guys do like relationship check-ins or like, would you say that you have that in like a more like formal process or are you people who just kind of touch base like regularly in a more organic sense? So currently definitely more organically, but it's so funny that you bring that up because my husband actually just came to me and was like, I heard about this thing called like relationship check-ins where we actually, you know, plan an hour to sit down maybe over a meal or maybe not, but we, we sort of bring to the table, you know, what's going on with your career? Like, what do you want to accomplish right now? Where are you, where are you feeling stuck? Where are you feeling like supercharged? And I, and when he said that, I was like, oh my God, you're right. I, I just assumed we were sort of talking about that all the time and in between meetings and running around, we're both working from home, but it's so true. I don't, we don't have that dedicated time to be like, how can I support your life feeling fulfilled? <laughs> you know, like how, what is going on? Let's not be just constantly talking about our daughter or, or just literally surviving right between day to day. And so that is something that we're looking to incorporate and I will let you know how it goes. Yeah, please do. Oh my God, I'm so passionate about relationship check-ins because I think there's so much people think of it in a very rigid sense, but I think you can really make it what you want. And you do it. has it been successful for you? Oh yeah, I do it. I, I made all like link in the show notes, guys. I made a really cute um Instagram like guide to how to do a relationship check-in. But basically it's for for us, I think. It, we're much more organic with it. We don't have like a set time every month that we're like having a check-in, but I, we kind of just go off of intuition, each of us being like, hmm, it's been a while since I just literally ask you, how are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, how's Bye. life? How's stress? How's your happiness? You know, and I think, uh, how are we doing? What do you want to incorporate more in our dynamic? And so I think it's such an important way to just like recalibrate. And there have been plenty of times where, you know, we've gone into a relationship check-in and then been like, oh, dang, I didn't realize we like things felt so off kilter. And it it was it's a really great way to just be like level set or be really mindful about something that might be bothering someone that they hadn't really felt that was that important to bring up, but it was really getting on their nerves. So I love it. And my tips around it are make sure that you don't do it at a time, a, a sensitive time. And by sensitive time, I mean like right after like a crazy hectic work day or when your kid just went into a tantrum and then like whatever like you know pick a decent definitely not after fight or like in a fight yeah. or anything like yes, that yes yes like a neutral that's what i want to say a neutral desensitized time and your husband's right on the on the money with dinner i think is great cuz you're just like you're enjoying a pleasurable meal if you're out to dinner you know there's no room for like a blow up you can kind of like regulate if you're in the kind of a more like high sensitive like pressure cooker moment you know if you go out to a more public space it does keep things <laughs> at a more controlled level so not saying that anybody's there but um yeah that that's kind of my two cents on it i am a huge fan of the that. relationship check-in i'm like incorporating this into wednesday surprise like maybe it doesn't need to be every wednesday but one wednesday surprise a month <laughs> we'll do our relationship check <laughs> Yeah, you're like not too much constructive feedback, okay? Just <laughs> so much I can take. <laughs> no, I love it. It's really it's really so great and yeah, I was also going to say it like it helps so much with like intimate life too and figuring out 
you know, especially when things get really hectic. I've I've had many relationship check-ins being like, dang, life has gotten so busy. How can we take some time for us? And we've come to this kind of circles back to your product and, and everything with Cobble, but we've like come to the conclusion of being like, I think we need a weekend getaway, you know, like something a little bit more substantial than just like an activity that lasts a couple hours. We're like, oh, we need like a full weekend. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Hit up cobble, tap that mini getaways filter and you're yes. off. Places. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wait. So tell me more about like how you've actually curated some of these experiences. Like, is it you behind the scenes? Like, what does your team look like? Are you guys like avid researchers? Are you someone who <laughs> are you always traveling to just like make sure you're finding all the newest and coolest spots? <laughs> oh my God. Luckily, I can very much rely on the on the content team to make sure everything is gorgeous and amazing in app. But yes, we have what we call city content producers who have boots on the ground in the cities we're launched in, which we are now officially in seven. We are in New York, LA, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, Dallas, Austin. I think I said all of them, but I'm, I literally, I, they've been, we <laughs> were in New York for two years and in the last four months, we've launched all the new ones. So it's like, it's, it's kind of a crazy time of growth over here, but we have these city content producers who have boots on the ground in these cities. They're sort of the, they're the, in the know folks, they uh, are ambassadors and they produce what we call collections. So you can see a collection in Kabul, for example, that's like when you're in the mood to dance or like when you have to impress the in-laws or they're very like editorial, very specific um, that can sort of kick off this planning process where then you can collect a couple of options, shoot it off to everyone who's involved to vote. And then the plan is decided. Almost think of it like a doodle, but for plans. Um, so it's got, and it, it literally is a doodle-esque feature in it too, where you can vote on the date and time that you're all free. That is so cool. I, I'm really excited that you developed this because I am so sick of my like Google stars and like fending for my life on, <laughs> on like, like anytime I travel, I'm like on all these different forums trying to get like the best guides. And I'm just so happy that you've like synced it up into one, one nice homepage hub spot, if you will. <laughs> so much. Yeah, no, that's definitely the idea. It, it, I certainly felt like I had all of these lists everywhere, right? Like a bunch of pins on Google Maps, a, a bunch of saves on IMDb of what I was going to watch. I, I just had lists, lists, lists everywhere. And it wasn't like I was making it through it. I wasn't like doing the things. It seemed like when I was down to finally click play on something or or go to something, I was like, what do I do? Like it was still, it's they disappeared all the lists like in the moment where you need them. So that's that was definitely part of the the goal of Cobble. Yeah. So great. I started on like I I have an my own notion page that I make for basically just my life. And I have this whole list of date ideas that I started kind of just scribbling down because you're so right in the moment. You're like, what the heck do I want to do? But you have this whole like library of things just like randomly floating in the ether. So I really like that. It's all succinct in one spot. (laughs) Gave me a product idea is to like allow people to easily add their existing list, whether that's Notion or Google or Notes or wherever they keep that to just drop it into cobble so that they can use the actual decisioning system really easily on those ideas that they already have. Yes. You're yeah. having an impact on on the product. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited to just like be a part of it and watch it grow. I mean, I just am very, very excited on on really how you've kind of capitalized this entire space. Um, okay. As we're wrapping up here, what is your best advice around, I guess, just dating in general, connecting with people and just like really finding the time and space to do do that in a very authentic way. Like what is your kind of advice around authenticity and connection? Yeah, it's interesting that you say um, you know, authenticity and like just being sort of natural and cuz my my go-to was like you got to take a look at the next 3 months of your calendar and be like where can I circle some free days and like put stuff in there that makes me excited and has me looking forward and gets it's enough time ahead that I can loop in the people that I care about, whether that's a significant other or that's a friend or that's whoever and get something booked, like get, get a reservation, get a, get a plan together. And 
it it not only gets you out there and like feeling surprised and delighted in, in whatever it is you choose to do, but it really is so important for us to have things to look forward to and, and not feel like it's sort of this monotonous um, life. <laughs> and so I think when you couple really great ideas with really great people and, you know, you have that on the horizon, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm, that's the best advice. Because I mean, really, if you're not doing that, your schedule is filled up with other people's shit. Like it is literally like it's going to get filled. So you might as well get ahead of it and put down some really exciting things that you're looking forward to. It's just the best way. I swear by that process. Completely. So yeah, that's our goal is to help more more folks do that. I love it. Jordan, this is amazing. I am so happy that we had you on. My very final question for you, what is currently hanging out on your bedside table? Ooh, okay. Let me think. Um, I have an addiction to books, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so I usually have a stack of about the next seven or eight books that I'm going to read like in order. So at the top of that right now, I'm reading East of Eden by John Steinbeck, which I promise I'm not usually that person that's like, I'm reading the book that was assigned in high school. Like never. <laughs> but this is a book that my cousin Cody was like, you have to read this. And I've never read it before. So I'm reading that. Um, but you know, I just finished the Akatar series before, right? A Court of Thorn and Roses, complete opposite of East of Eden. So books, um, I usually have a glass of water, uh, my charger, a little lamp, and that's pretty much it. I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where we can connect with you, download the app, learn more, keep up with all the updates coming because clearly we just listed six new updates that are going to be. <laughs> Always something. Um, yeah, you can find us in the app store if you just search Cobble, C-O-B-B-L-E. Um, on social, Instagram, TikTok, our TikTok intern is incredible. Um, you can find us there on at TryCobble. Our website's TryCobble.com and you can keep up with me on Instagram at Miss Jordan Scott. Thank you so much, Jordan. I'll link everything in the show notes. And I can't wait for people to just like get their hands on all the swiping and saving. It's it's going to be great. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tatiana. This was so much fun. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Betside Podcast. I hope you love this episode as much as we did making it. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want to chat, don't hesitate to reach out to us at The Bedside on Instagram and thebedside.co online. You can also find us at By The Bedside on TikTok. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform. And if you found this episode valuable, I would so greatly appreciate if you could leave us a rating, a review, text it to a friend, share it to your Instagram stories. Let's get this message out there loud and clear. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.